It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Chargers 2023 draft class is in the books, and when we're looking at the entire picture, we're actually pretty big fans of what they were able to get done. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogelmeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers now for seven seasons together, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making this your first listen today. To make sure you never miss a show, make sure you go subscribe or follow for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcast. David, what do we got today? Well, after months and months of watching tape and trying to figure out who the Chargers were going to take, we finally know who the 2023 draft class is. So we're going to take a look at our first initial reaction on that draft class and take a little deeper dive in their second and third round picks. Yeah, we want to break down each of these guys and give them the you know time that they need. So today we're doing a deeper dive into rounds two and three. Tomorrow we'll get four through seven, but I do want to start with just our general reaction because now we know who the picks are going to be. The Chargers had seven picks. We talked about Quentin Johnson and our thoughts on that on the last show, but day two, they go Tuli, Tui Pulotu, and Diane Henley, Dayon Henley, linebacker from Washington State in the third round. So we're going to talk about those guys today, but then this out, they rounded out on day three. Darius Davis, the return man in the fourth round, which was a little surprising. Jordan McFadden, an offensive lineman who's going to bring some good depth to the offensive line. Scott Matlock, a defensive lineman in round six. And Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU, rounded up the you know Chargers drafting of TCU players. Three of them from the same school in this draft. David, what were your general thoughts just on when the draft class after you know you can think things in the moment, but it's a little different when you can kind of see the whole picture? Yeah, obviously we all kind of we, we have our feelings initially and then we kind of have to take a step back and then really take a look at each pick and then kind of see where they fit and see how, you know, they fit with the Chargers. And I, I think after taking a look at the entire draft class, I really feel good about what the Chargers were able to do. They got a, a weapon for Justin Herbert with their first round pick. They were able to add some quality edge help in the second round. They're able to get some linebacker help, also get some depth on the offensive line and the defensive line, and they get an impact player on special teams. So if you look at every aspect of their team, I feel like they added somebody to that group, and that's always a good method on building a football team. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think when you're not looking at you know where the perceived value is on these guys, there's a lot to like about all of them yeah. just as players, right? When you're not thinking about, oh, okay, you could have had this guy, you could have had that guy, which is obviously right. going to be a part of it. And then in this draft, I don't think there was like a ton of guys where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that dude fell to the Chargers there. Right. But outside of a couple picks, it didn't seem like there was any major reaches, especially in the top 100 where we've seen the Chargers, you know, in the third round take some crazy reaches, but I think you were never going to be able to fill every need that you had going. And we knew that what they prioritized was very interesting to see. And I think especially 
what makes it tough is because you know the needs are left, right? I mean, you didn't address any of the defensive backs in this, so the safety room seems really shallow as we see it right now. And later on in the week, we'll get into, you know, the biggest needs and how they could fill them. (coughs) John Johnson, maybe. (laughs) But I think, you know, with the lack of them taking a tight end, that part was frustrating. With them not taking a corner, that was just more surprising because they had taken five defensive backs in Brandon Staley's first two seasons. Right, you just felt like it was a foregone conclusion, right? You, you do every year. I feel like they're going to yeah. draft a corner, and you could see why because the especially with J.C. Jackson's injury, it's hard to see kind of what that room is going to be right now, and For especially sure. the long term future of it. And they say you know they take players and they don't know how the draft is going to fall, and they try to take the best player available. I get it, but I think that's the only thing, you know, I'm not saying this is a great draft class or, you know, I'm totally in love with it because there's a couple things that kind of keep it from that for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think it's no secret what that is for me. I just don't know why logically they decided to take a quarterback. I mean, I understand that you want to have contingency plans. And then I know a lot of people have brought up the San Francisco situation, which I, I understand, but if Justin Herbert gets injured, I mean, let's just put it out there. The Chargers aren't really going to do anything anyway. Was that so, your least favorite pick? It was hor- I hated the pick. Yeah, so I, I we were talking it. about your least favorite. I guess we'll talk about most favorite. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Least favorite, favorite pick is, is definitely Max Duggan. And it's not the player. It's the position. I felt like they could have accomplished that same thing by bringing somebody in from the undrafted free agency realm. And I think it's just because I'm tired of seeing them roster three quarterbacks and then seeing obvious deficiencies without having a sixth wide receiver and then also carrying a fourth running back when you could have had an extra offensive lineman or an extra defensive lineman or just those positions that are subject to high attrition rates. I would have much preferred them not you know, seemingly going to reserve another 53-man roster spot for a quarterback. I just, I can't see that again. Yeah, I guess that's probably my least favorite pick, too. I I think the biggest reach is Darius Davis, and we'll talk more about him tomorrow. But I like him as a player, right? Like, I I do think he's going to bring positive things to their return game. So it's like, if you're not looking at the value of the pick and who you could have had, it's like, okay, I see in a vacuum that player is going to help special teams. And and it's also a player that Ryan Ficken obviously must have really wanted. Oh, so yeah. it'd hard, be hard to make that my least favorite pick. I would go with Max Duggan too, I guess, just because it. we watched a lot of Quentin Johnson, right? Yeah. We watched a lot of Darius Davis. So yeah. like we saw the shortcomings of him. He's oh, a gamer, yeah. right? He's sure. one of those guys as a backup that's probably going to be the long-term Easton Stick replacement potentially, right? right? But I think at a certain point, we can't be surprised that the Chargers are trying to roll out three quarterbacks on the active roster. Like, it's just that's what their philosophy is. They said that that's what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, we can't so, be surprised I mean, by it. Right. No, you kind of just have to take it for what they say, right? So if they say yeah. they're going to do it, then, you know, uh, the Chargers are pretty much people of their word. So Yeah, and, like, you don't have to agree with every pick, right? Like, no. both of us are generally positive. Like, they, I, I, I feel positive about this draft class right now, and we're going to break more guys down, and our thoughts may change on some guys tomorrow, you know, as we watch a little bit more tomorrow. But just sure. with the baseline understanding that we have right now, that would probably be my least favorite pick, but I liked pretty much all their picks. Like, I, there was other guys that picks I liked better for sure. But at the end of the day, you added playmakers for Justin Herbert and special yeah. teams, right? You double dipped at wide receiver. And even though we're talking about the quarterback depth, your depth at wide receiver is way, way better now. Yes. And then you have, you know, edge rusher and linebacker. We'll see what those guys turn into. But those were both places where, you know, you had needs future and short term at those spots. So, I, I get it, and, and I like what they did and were able to do there. Just held back a little bit by the no secondary guys, no t- tight end guys, but you can't get everyone. Who was your 
favorite pick, though. You talked about your least favorite pick. When you look at this, I wasn't wild about any of these picks, David. It was a little hard for me to do this. I liked a lot of them, right? Yeah. It was hard for me to pick a favorite. Who'd you go with? And, and and I think that's kind of the same kind of thought process that, that I'm having as well. Just after watching, I really, I, I like Darius Davis a lot. I mean, I think he was the guy that you probably could have got later in the draft. At least he right. was definitely slated to go later in the draft, but I immediately see the applications for what he's going to be able to do to improve this football team, uh, both as a gadget guy on offense and, you know, as a difference maker on special teams. But I think if we're just talking about my favorite pick, is probably going to be Tuli Tui Polotu because of what he's going to be able to do for the edge room. And I just it's, it just makes me feel a lot more comfortable with him in the building, him being a, a guy that is obviously can fluctuate with his weight. He can he feel, feels comfortable playing inside, feels comfortable playing outside. We'll get more into that, uh, of course, when we start breaking him down. But it just makes me feel much better about that room because I'm just so tired of seeing your main edge rusher go down with an injury and then the chargers scramble to try to find that production that they're that they need to replace with that player being gone and they're not being able to so at yeah. least spending a premium premium pick on bringing somebody into that edge room i think is smart business and i'm happy they did it yeah, you're addressing a problem before it's a full-blown problem. And you could say, you know, we've talked before just about how big of a need it is because that person, especially with the injury, you know, history of Joey Bosa, like, could have yeah. a big role and have to play a yes. big role this year. So I think, you know, I like that. I think with my initial reaction to it, the picks I like the most, Deion Henley, the linebacker, because I think that was an underrated need going into this. Yeah. And I also really, really struggled with day three linebackers that I could – really advocate for like true i do think it kind of hit a cliff and i mean i think they got seemingly decent value and now that i've watched them i like them a lot more too and i think jordan mcfadden too just another offensive lineman scheme versatility positional versatility they're saying potentially a five position player and you're adding and continuing to invest in the trenches and continuing to invest in the offensive line and you know even though you really really like the core of guys you have right now now you have a potential another swing guard the chargers have a type for tackle. sure of sure. guys that they're looking for they're uh, late in the draft at least they're looking for guys yeah. that have that po position flexibility guys that were playing tackle that you know are probably going to transition to guard in the nfl those are the type of players that they're looking to add to their football team and in the short term can help you at tackle still yeah. right if you need exactly that, like we saw from jamari sawyer but a lot of flexibility the chargers have and I it like gives it. them depth at two positions kind of so yeah. I, I really like those picks and I'll talk more about Jordan McFadden tomorrow once we break a little bit more into his tape. But I do want to talk about Tui Tui Pelotu because this is a young dude, David, with a ton of production in the Pac-12 last season and an edge rusher the Chargers really needed because the edge rusher started going really quick. So we're going to talk about what Very. he brings to the table and why the Chargers felt the need to go get this dude and potentially even reach a little bit for him in the second round after this. But first, I need to tell you guys the next thing you should be reaching for is a built bar because it is the best protein bar on the planet. And to me... I mean, I, when you're evaluating your protein bars, you're looking for a couple of things, right? Are they going to fit on your diet? That's important. To me, the most important thing, though, is is it going to taste great? And I don't know if you guys have tried the new peanut butter puff flavor from Built Bar, but it's like a pillow of peanut butter and a cloud of peanut butter. It's just the best. And there's so many other great flavors to choose from. Snickerdoodle Chunk is a flavor, right? And then something that actually fits on your diet. Most of the bars have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of of protein i mean 
it really is a cheat code for your diet, a great way to spice things up. And the great thing is also, you don't have to only buy them online anymore because you can get them you know, at a little place called Walmart. Now, you, you have one of those near you? I'm guessing that you do. You can go to Walmart and pick up a four-bar box, or if you have a Sam's Club nearby, you can go and get a 13-bar box. And I mean, let's just be efficient, right? You don't want to make a bunch of trips to Walmart. If you can just buy a couple of 13-bar boxes from Sam's Club, but it's nice to get them now. Now I don't have to sit by my mailbox. I can just go find them in the wild. But you guys can still save some money online with us since you listen to this show. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15. You can get 15% off your next order. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's get to these guys, David. The day two picks we want to talk about today and break down a little bit more in depth. And man, did the edge rushers start going quick when that second round started. One of the reasons, you know, we liked a guy like Nolan Smith so much too is just because it's like you knew a lot of guys, even in a good edge class, right? A lot of these guys were going to go really early because there was a, yeah. a lot of pretty good players at the top of the draft. You saw how many edge rushers ended up going in round one, even Will McDonald, the 15th overall pick, which I didn't see coming. But the Chargers got an edge rusher that they desperately needed in the second round. They needed depth there. They needed a young guy that could potentially turn into more with the guys like Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack and their contract hits on the roster. It was very easy to see at least, you know, initially why the Chargers went with Tui Tuapulo to in the second round. Well, it's all, it's all about the positions that we felt like they needed to address before the draft. And edge was some, was very much chief among those needs. It yeah. was one of the most important ones. And so, you know, with, you know, like we said earlier, with the injury concerns in that edge room, it was very important that the Chargers went out and spent, you know, this premium draft capital on bringing in an edge rusher to fill up that room. They had to do this. Yeah. And I, so when I say a slight reach, if you look at the consensus mock draft database, basically where all of the different mock drafts had this guy pegged. 63rd in the consensus database the Chargers picked him 54 so a reach by that standard but some people are higher some people are lower and the other thing about Thule is he didn't get to test because of a right hamstring injury so yeah it, I think that probably hurt his stock a little bit right and not being able to really do things at the senior bowl yeah but the dude was an all-american as a 20 year old this is a young dude and I think when you're looking at how he fits, you know, another kind of power rusher that's not in the same mold as Khalil Mack but like you can yeah. get why they would be kind of you know, he would. They would bring in someone that kind of plays with a similar style to that, especially early on with the chance to learn from a couple of guys and a potential. You know, I think the thing that I like about him too is strength-wise, 
he's ready for the next oh, level. Yeah. It's, but even as a young person, like he's not going to just get bullied at the next level. No. And we'll see what weight he ends up playing at. Tom Telesco has said they see him as an edge rusher. I'll take his word for it. But when you're looking at the pros here, I mean, it's a really easy to see why the Chargers would be attracted to a local kid who had the kind of production that he did. No question about it. I mean, you're talking about production, premium production is last year in college, 46 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, a silly number. 13 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles and three passes defense. So that's stuff in the stat sheet, guys. That's all over the field. That's contributing from left to right completely. Good motor plays with really good effort. He has really strong, active hands that he used to, uses to rip offensive linemen's grip off of him. I also feel like he has a good bull rush. Um, and also, he's a guy that's comfortable playing in coverage, too. The USC kind of asked him to do that quite a bit. And as you would, as you know, if you saw the Chargers defense, occasionally they would have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa both be out in coverage. To right, he has very... experience as like that stand-up edge rusher who can, you know, drop into the flats of any. Exactly, sure. yeah. Very, very, very small coverage responsibilities, but that he's, you know, comfortable doing it. And also, I feel like this is a guy that stays very patient when he's playing the run. He understands what gaps he needs to go through, and he explores through it and you know he has the strength to hold up on the edge and to be able to get off a block so i mean there's a lot to like about Tuli's game yeah i think you know it's interesting because the chargers took a guy they don't normally take with like a shorter arms right and like you can see how some of that stuff is an issue but as far as what he does well i mean for a 20 year old pretty decent you know array of moves that's obviously still a work in progress it's raw but you can see kind of the potential there he does play with a frenetic energy. His motor is, you know, only runs hot, which is great. It can be a little bit reckless at the same time, you know, just with that motor, it got him in a little bit of trouble. But I thought he had very active hands, good strength at the point of attack, and also the versatility he brings to the table because he rushed a lot on the inside at USC, yeah. and that is something that you could see him doing at the next level. We'll see what kind of size he ends up at. But the Chargers have shown the ability to kind of mix things up and rush guys on the inside from edge rusher. He is very experienced, and that's important, right? Like, It's one thing to project someone to be able to rush interior and on the outside off the edge, right? It's another thing to see them do it a lot. And you saw him do it a ton at USC. And I think that versatility played into it as well. And there's a lot that I like. I mean, I think there's a lot that he does really well already, especially as a 20-year-old. And I think there's a lot of things, you know, the weaknesses that can be kind of coached up. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what you're looking for with a guy that you're taking early on in the draft. You you want a guy that's going to come in and have you know those traits in that production that you're looking for and also being able to project him to get better because I think one of the things you were talking about was the pass rush moves. Fortunately for him, he gets to come into a yeah. room which you know, I think he talked about as well is going into a room with two guys that are very experienced pass rushers in this league with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. And, you know, I mean, who better to be able to learn behind and learn from to be able to connect moves together? I think that's one of the the best things that Joey Bosa does is his understanding of how to produce and put together counter moves and just keep coming at you with different attacks and also just understanding the leverages of the tackles and how to take advantage of that and yeah he got a lot of dudes off balance for sure like he knows how to kind of attack you you know the timing of it's pretty good yeah exactly and then of course Khalil Mack you know he you know the the power is very very real with him and and kind of teaching Thule to 
take that power and convert that speed to power a little bit more effectively. I mean, if he's able to do those things and he's able to put those counters together, you can definitely see the makings of a very productive edge rusher. Yeah, and there's some things that, you know, that have to get there's some things that aren't going to change and there's some things that are coachable. So as far as just the things he can't change, right? He has short arms, yeah. 32 and a quarter inch arms isn't right. long and doesn't fit the prototype that Brandon Staley usually likes from his edge rushers. Guys who have the ability to kind of, you know, stack and shed when they need to and keep guys locked down. He has very active hands, but at times he yeah. does get caught up in the wash and it's hard for him to kind of get back into the play if they do get their hands on him, right? That's one of the sure. things I noticed. Uh, no testing, so we don't really have the numbers, you know, to see kind of what the full athletic ability is. And I don't think he has elite bend or anything like that. I don't think he's going to. Yeah, be the a quickness is definitely not the best. Like he, he's not the 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 twitchiest athlete. I mean, no, not he's not explosive, he really but I think he's there. quick. I, I do yeah. think he's quick. I mean, he he has a, a good tendency of being able to kind of shoot gaps and, and kind of quickly get out of the reach of linemen, especially in run blocking. That's where a lot of his production yeah, came spin from. Off of a guys lot of the, too. A lot of the backfield production was him kind of knifing through gaps yeah. and shooting around dudes. And so that quickness, it's not explosive, though. It's not an explosive kind of off the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't say he's an explosive athlete just from the eye test, yeah. you know. But I do think the recklessness combined with the short arms is where my biggest kind of red flag is here. Just because it did lead to a lot of missed tackles. And it's hard to get, you know, excited about dudes who don't come in and are tackling great right away just because we know how, you know, bad that has been for the Chargers. I think if you can kind of rein him in a little bit, I mean, the crazy thing is, is he missed a bunch of tackles and still had 13 and a half sacks and had 22 tackles for loss, right? So he was still failing so to So imagine how many he productive. could have had if he was a little bit more If he more played a, a little bit tackler. more in control. If he yeah. played a little bit more in control, because a lot of those were just him launching himself and trying to dive for tackles and leaving right. his feet and doing stuff like that. And, and, and some of them would have been really tough tackles. But I just think if he's a little bit more in control, he would find himself in a lot better situations where he'd have a much higher kind of you know accuracy as far as getting these dudes to the ground. Right. I mean, it's it's awesome and it's great to have that that kind of violence and that Tasmanian devil, yeah. uh, you know, mindset and attitude. Play style, but, guys. As, as yeah, that, that play style is great. It's fun to watch. But also you're going to take yourselves out of a lot of plays if you do that on a consistent basis. So, yeah. I mean, the thing to remember here is he is already this good and he's 20 years old. And sure. these things that we're talking about are very coachable. It's going to get better the more football that he plays and he's in a fantastic room, so I think yeah. that's going to accelerate his growth as well. I, I'd still like this pick for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because if he has to play, you know, and start this year, you know, that could be tough. It, sure. It's always tough yeah. for edge rushers, you know, and he might get forced into action a little bit too soon if somebody gets hurt, especially just with the physical profile that he brings as opposed to Chris Rump. Yeah. Um, and he, he's going to have to season a little bit, but like sure. you could see him turning into a, you know, a dependable kind of starter down the road potentially and someone to give you, you know, more depth at the position this season and comes with at least a baseline level of strength that you think, okay, well, if they need him, he can probably be a rotational person early. Yeah. And like the thing is, at the end of the day, you're taking these dudes for their pass rush ability. Yeah. And the dude has a knack for pass rush. You need pass yeah. rushers as much as possible. The dude has great instincts. He knows what he's doing. He always has people off balance. And I think. If he can hone in the other stuff, there's a lot to really, really like about this pick, even if you don't think it was the most valuable pick for where the Chargers were at in the second round. They needed an edge rusher. They were going quick, and I liked who they ended up with because there was a drop-off with most of the guys coming up after this. But, 
You know who does tackle well? Deion Henley. And he's a guy I am very, very excited about and just an impossible guy not to root for after he got to stay home in L.A. and play where his family lives. Rooting for this dude. And the other thing is he's got some game, too, that I really, really like. So we're going to talk about him and break him down a little bit more coming up right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Glad we're able to kind of get a little bit more into these guys in depth and just give our feelings about why the Chargers did it and everything. And tomorrow we'll be doing the same thing with the guys in rounds four through seven. Darius Davis, an obvious reach, but easy to see the value there. We'll also be talking about Max Duggan and where the Chargers helped in the trenches, including, you know, their six round pick who said he's coming for souls and to take another grown the best man's sound job. bite I have ever heard. I absolutely loved it. I can't wait for you guys to talk, you know, to hear about Max Crosby. I mean, Scott Matlock tomorrow, <laughs> uh, his doppelganger, because that dude that was a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot of fun things to talk about with some of those guys, even on day three tomorrow, and see kind of how they fit going forward. But we'll also be getting into where the Chargers go from here now, right? Is John Johnson still on the table? Because there were things that weren't addressed, and it feels like the tight end room is missing some key components that might need to be addressed in free agency now if they don't, you know, find a just gem in the rough, you know, diamond in the rough in undrafted free agencies. And we'll talk about their They've done it before. Yeah, never at tight end. I, you, you'd never see them get a guy like that at tight end. But Oh, yeah, never. Never. Yeah. You would never do that. For people no. on YouTube, I'm moving my head so you can see the Antonio Gates signed <laughs> jersey that's behind me. But you, you can't see that part. Anyways. We are we're going to continue this draft coverage throughout the rest of the week. A lot of guys I'm excited to talk about and just what the next steps are for the Chargers after seeing what the class is and, and the positions we think they found some depth at. But I do want to talk about Deion Henley, David. What was your initial reaction? Obviously, you didn't get to watch him at that point, though. But where did you think, you know, just about the player just initially? Yeah, I mean, I think them taking a linebacker, I, I was uh, that was one of the kind of the sneaky needs that I felt yeah. like the Chargers did need to address. And if the value was right, that, you know, I could see them pulling the trigger. And that's what happened here in the third round. And it's important that they did that because, hey, they did lose Drew Tranquil in free agency. And Kenneth Murray is in the last year of his contract after the Chargers decided not to pick up his fifth year option. And, and obviously Eric Kendricks also, is a very short term deal, too, right? This, now. Right. Maybe exactly. one year deal. Potentially. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's one of those typical, uh, you know, two year with the one year ripcord type of deals there. So there's not a lot of stability in the linebacker room so spending a pick on a linebacker to bring into that room uh, you know seems like smart business man i'm not gonna lie to you bro i teared up for sure watching this dude and how excited he was uh just to stay home you know him and tuli tuli Pelotu, both local kids who played high school here I mean, against, how great how know, awesome is that i mean at the same time played against each other in college too and have like a heated rivalry they've been talking trash between you know wazoo <laughs> and usc the whole time like literally just going at each other in their initial press conferences which was hilarious but i love it this dude must have said bolt up like a hundred times in just I his initial it, video and you can just tell how excited this dude Injected, is here. baby and, like, you're talking about just before we get into the player, what an yeah. infectious energy this dude yes. comes with, right? Team captain on a team he got to only as a six-year senior and was still able to ingratiate himself in that locker room at Washington State. you got to be magnetic to do that. 
And just like a dude who, you know, changed positions three times in college, has only been playing linebacker for a couple of seasons and was able to stack a couple of seasons back to back to get himself to this moment. But as far as just the personality, like he's almost like the defensive Josh Kelly to me in a little bit where it seems like he's always smiling, you know, he's always cracking jokes and stuff like that. Very, It's going to be very, very hard not to root for this guy, David. And I think the best part about it is, is I think it was actually a decent value pick if you're going based on value. You know, the consensus board had him at 71. Obviously, the Chargers take him in the 80s. So decent value there. Not a reach by most consensus standards. And he also has some game, too, and a lot of parts of his game that I really like. Yeah, I mean, definitely agree with you uh, as as far as the uh, you know personality traits and stuff. He seems to be like a glue guy. You know, he's and his nickname's that... the Ranger, right? Because he yeah. loves Power Rangers. Had that giant white Power Ranger necklace that you know <laughs> iced out for sure. Which which is awesome. But yeah, you, you need those type of guys. You need those glue type of guys. Those personality type of guys that are gonna bring people together. But yes. The other part of this is what can you do on the football field, and he definitely has some game. I think first and foremost, a very sure tackler. He only missed five tackles all of last season, which for a guy who has really only started two years at linebacker, that's something that you love to love to hear about and love to know. Also, I feel like he does a pretty good job of shedding blocks, but he doesn't really shed blocks as much as he does use his speed to avoid blocks. I feel yeah, like that is more good. so how he does things. He can shed blocks, although if he, there is some bigger offensive linemen that get a hold of him, they, they can wash him out of the play. But he does a very good job of using his quickness and his speed to be able to get you know, kind of in between those guys and be able to make plays. I love his effort. I feel like this is a guy that does run sideline to sideline. He doesn't give up on plays. Um, also, a guy that is a core is going to be a core special teamer. I mean, he played a ton, 630 special team snaps in college. That's every single year. And that's, you know, what Brandon Staley and the chargers like to call a core for guy. Who's probably going to be on all of those special teams units can cause some havoc as a blitzer, but I feel like that's probably one of the things in his game that he could good, could get a little bit better at. But when you look at just the overall skill set for playing linebacker for two years, Man, he brings a lot of things to the table where it looks really good now, and you can see how it could project and get much better later on. Yeah, so he started at Nevada as a wide receiver. A couple years in, they move him to safety. You know, Tom Telesco special safety that's converted to linebacker. And then, you know, in 2020, ended up changing again and turning into a linebacker, but didn't really play at all until 2021. The last few seasons, he started every game the last couple of years. And he said that as much, you know, very good, you know, clean bill of health for the most part, even though he did have to redshirt a year from from an injury. But that part was kind of confusing when he said he had never missed a game. But I think, you know, it for where he is, even as a 24-year-old, which is definitely one of the downsides, right? 24-year-old, yeah. but not a lot to tread on the tires physically because he really only started two seasons in college. Yeah. And you can see, uh, even like watching them chronologically, like you see him growing on the job, oh, yeah. which I think is, you know, really, really nice to see. He's not a fully developed player yet, but the special parts of it, I think he can be a special dude in coverage. I saw some people critiquing the coverage ability from him, but, you know, athletically, he can get there, right? He ran oh, yeah. a 4 5, 4 40. That's a really, really good time. 806 RAS score. So a good athlete. I think, you know, especially as a guy who really, really can run, chase, and tackle people. Yeah. And also what he did one-on-one -on -one at the Senior Bowl where he was 
locking dudes down as one of the guys in the ESPN draft has said, you know, people were getting out of line to not have to go one on one against this dude in coverage, the running backs at the senior. That's so, what I like to hear. I think that part of his game, like he could be really good in like fits and need the chargers. There's not really a coverage specialist, right? Eric Hendricks really has good recognition and routes and oh, yeah. things like that. But like, he has the mobility to be kind of a you know a dude who fits that coverage role and really it would be a really good nickel linebacker too in sub packages even this season I think when you need a guy who's more mobile and can chase things down on the perimeter for wide receiver screens stuff like that he did all that stuff really well things that impressed me most though the ability to read what the offensive line is doing and get to where he needs to get to because yeah. landmarks are so important for him and by landmarks yeah, I mean yeah. the places you have to get to to disrupt a play right the gap that they're going to eventually run through that was something he did really good at and once he hit it he hit it and he got downhill yeah. really really quickly and is a sure tackler all those things are really good and his ability to not let offensive linemen get hands on him whether it's breaking up a screen pass whether it's blitzing you know yeah. he he was really really good at evading guys and he needs it because he's a smaller linebacker right. you know at six foot there's a small 225 yeah. pounds almost six yeah. one but He's a smaller linebacker. He's not going to win a lot of strength contests, but I do think, right. you know, the potential in co coverage there, David, and the ability to just be elusive and still find plays, find ways to make splash plays, four interceptions in 2021, four sacks in 2022. I liked him a lot. There's, I think there's a lot there, but those are the parts specifically where I'm like, okay, yeah, I see it there. Yeah, and I mean, kind of reminds you a little bit of Drew Tranquil, right? I mean, another guy who was a former safety that got switched to linebacker that has some, you know, pretty innate uh, coverage skills and understanding in that feel for being yeah. in coverage. And I think that's definitely important. And, uh, and for Deion Henley being a former wide receiver, I think that definitely, you know, we were talking before the show. That's another thing that, you know, I, I think helps him out in coverage because he understands yeah. the route trees. He understands what receivers are trying to do to him, how they're trying to set him up and, and how he can, you know, kind of adjust accordingly. So, yeah, that those feelings and those instincts for coverage are definitely there. I think if you're looking for some things that maybe you can improve on a little bit, obviously, you know, he's an inexperienced player. He's only played linebacker for a couple of years. I do feel like this is a guy also who over pursues a little bit, especially when he's rushing. You know, you could get, um, you know, t taking himself out of the play a little bit. So if he controls himself specifically when he's rushing the passer, I feel like that can be an, uh, another aspect of his game that he could really, you know, hang his hat on. Yeah, I think, you know, very good tackle. I think the technique could be better. And when I say yes. that, it's more just about kind of hitting that strike box and like more knockback as a tackler because I yeah. think it's really about converting the speed he has when he gets downhill into power because he was very – he's good wingspan, 33-inch arms, right, good tackle radius. Yeah. But he, a lot of drag down tackles, a lot right. of guys gaining some extra yards after he hits them. Those are things I think can improve. The lack of strength definitely shows up when – he, you know, if guys do lock up with him, he can get driven out of the play. I mean, that's sure. just the fact yeah. of the matter. He has yeah. to kind of get around people. But I did see him start to get better at being able to stack and shed guys. He does I would have agree very, with that. Yeah, it got better. So I think there's, you know, hope that it would improve at the next level, especially yeah. with coaching, right? And Absolutely. then no agility testing, another hard right. thing, right? Because I think the change of direction as far as his recovery, if he mm -hmm. does over-pursue something, it seemed like it, it took him a little bit to get going in the right direction and kind of enter himself back in the play. Yeah. Great effort. Fun, charismatic dude. 
might not have been the biggest need, you know, on the surface, but fills a need for you and I think has a chance to be a, you know, meaningful contributor, right? Like, I, yeah. I think he will be a starter for the Chargers at linebacker at some point. I think he definitely has that potential. And I think he also, as far as immediate contributions, helps you on special teams. You want right guys away. who are fast. Linebackers, you know, Nick Neiman's one of their better guys right now. Yeah. They have guys on the outside. Even caught a couple passes, uh, you know, on punt units. So that was fun to see. So I like Dayon Henley a lot. Uh, I'm bullish on him. He's a super easy guy to root for. Yeah. Could they have gone another direction? Sure. You sure. know, we're not talking about value and just talking about him as a player. I really like the player. And probably the biggest reach the Chargers had was Darius Davis. And I really like him as a player, too. And I love the yeah. fact that the Chargers double dipped on wide receiver and also potentially got a little gadget offensive player who has blazing 4-3 speed, right? Yeah. Even if, you know, he has the frame that's hard to project offensively what he'll do. And so I'm excited to get into tomorrow rounds four through seven, the day three picks a little bit more in depth and talk about the fits why the Chargers took them, the reach, the value, Max Duggan. Also talking about Jordan McFadden. We'll talk about Scott Matlock tomorrow, so make sure you guys are here for that, as well as us getting into the Chargers' biggest needs after the draft on Wednesday and how they could go address them potentially in free agency because that's a big thing here now. But until then, to make sure you don't miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show every day on our social media. Thank you to everyone you know who interacted with us on social media during the draft as well. It's always a fun time. Once you actually see kids' dreams start coming true, right? That was a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys for checking us out. And to make sure you don't miss live streams like that, check us out on social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drugmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. We post the show every day to all of our social media, and you can find the show's account at LockedOnLAC on Twitter as well as at LockedOnChargers on Instagram and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. But make sure you guys are here tomorrow for the full breakdown of all the day three picks for the Chargers. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.